Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be together this morning on this Lord's Day to worship God, to give together, to sing, and now we're going to study. I'm so happy to see all of you. Glad to be back home again. Had a wonderful meeting in Marion, Indiana with some wonderful brethren. Had a wonderful time there, but I'm happy to be here with you this morning to worship and study. And so I invite you to get out your Bible. We need to get into the Word of God right now. And I'm going to invite you to the book of Acts with me this morning. Will you please go in your Bible to Acts, the 8th chapter? We want to set the scene for our study with Acts, the 8th chapter. If you remember in Acts, the 8th chapter, we read about a man who was a worshiper of God. This was a man from Ethiopia. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And he was making his way back to Ethiopia, and he was riding along in his chariot. He was reading the Bible, reading from the prophet Isaiah, reading about Jesus' crucifixion. But he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know who Isaiah was talking about in, in Isaiah 53. And so God led a preacher to this man. And this preacher was named Philip, and he went into the chariot of this man. And he asked him, do you understand what you're reading from the Bible? And the, and the man from Ethiopia said, how can I understand if somebody helped me? He was humble enough to, to acknowledge he needed some help understanding the scriptures. He needed under, uh, some help understanding who Jesus was. And so in Acts the 8th chapter and in verse number 35, in verse 35, it says, Then Philip, that's the name of the preacher, opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, beginning from the Old Testament, beginning from the words of Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, this is the man from Ethiopia, he said, look, water will prevent me from being baptized. It was September of 2007. I was 24 years old at the time. Me and my mentor, Max Dawson, had just finished preaching with some other good brethren in a small village in Zimbabwe, and two of the women in the audience raised their hands, and they asked to be baptized. They asked to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of their sins, and so we loaded them up into the truck that we were in, and we drove a few miles until we finally came to some, to some water, and just as one of the preachers was about to get into the water to baptize these women, a man was standing on top of a bridge, and he looked down at us, and he started shouting. He started yelling at us. He started urging us in a very loud voice not to get in that water because he said just before we showed up, he saw a huge crocodile go into it. He says he saw a huge crocodile go into that water. Let me ask you something. What would you have done if you were in that situation? What would you have done if you were the preacher in that situation? What would you have done if you were one of those two women who wanted to be baptized in that situation? Would you still have been insistent about being baptized or would you have said, uh, let's put this off a little bit. Let's put this off for a couple of days. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I was scared out of my mind on that day. I was absolutely terrified that a crocodile was somewhere in the vicinity. And I just knew that those women were not going to want to get baptized on that day, or at least not in that body of water. But when the preacher asked them, do you still want to do this? You know what they said? 
They said yes. They said yes. They were so convicted by the gospel and so eager to serve Jesus that they didn't even let the possibility of being eaten by a crocodile to prevent them from being baptized on that day. And God certainly blessed them to get baptized on that day. God certainly blessed them and he blessed the preacher who baptized them. And I realize I realize who I'm talking to this morning. I realize that the audience of people that that I'm standing in front of right now, I know who I'm talking to. I know that the majority of you in this room, you've also done what those women did, right? I know that the majority of you have have been baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, maybe you were not baptized in a in a little creek under a bridge with a crocodile in it, but maybe you were baptized in, in a baptistry, right? Or maybe you were baptized in a river or a lake or a swim pool or a jacuzzi. I, for one, was baptized in a jacuzzi. The vast majority of us in this room have all been baptized in water for the forgiveness of our sins at some point in our lives. But maybe, maybe there's somebody here who hasn't been. Maybe there are some people here who have not been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Maybe there are some people in this room right now and you are of an accountable age. You know right from wrong. You know what sin is. You're a sinner. You're right now outside of the family of God. You're not part of the church of our Lord. You haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe, just maybe, there are some people in this room who have not done that, if that's the case, here's my question for those folks. Why? Why haven't you been baptized? Why haven't you had your sins washed away? Why have you chosen to remain in your sins? As the man from Ethiopia asked, after hearing the message of Jesus, what is preventing you? What's preventing you from being baptized? What's preventing, preventing you from being baptized in your life? Is it, is it fear? Is it fear, not of a crocodile, but maybe it's a fear of water. Maybe, maybe you are afraid of water right now in, in your life. You know, when I was in Botswana, Africa several years ago, I met people afraid of water. I, I, I met people who had never been in water up to their knees before. They had never been immersed in water. They had never had their heads taken underwater before. And so to obey Jesus, you know what they would have to do? They had to overcome a fear. They had to overcome a real legitimate fear that they had. I actually baptized a lady in Africa in a small tub. And it took me three or four times to finally immerse her in the water because she was terrified. She was frightened. Every time I tried to take her under, she would start grabbing the side of the tub because she was panicking. She was absolutely afraid of being immersed in water. And so maybe that's you in all seriousness. Maybe you have a fear of water or maybe maybe you got a fear of family. Maybe you are currently in a family that doesn't believe what the Bible says about baptism. Maybe you're in a family that doesn't believe Acts 2 and verse 38. 
where Peter say, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe you're in a family that doesn't believe what Jesus says. In Mark 16 and verse 16, where Jesus says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Maybe you are afraid that if you obey what Jesus says, your family is going to reject you. Your family is going to criticize you. They're going to get mad at you. They're going to get angry with you. They're going to accuse you of being a fool, and they're not going to agree with what you did. Maybe you, you have a fear of your family right now, or maybe, maybe you got a fear of getting baptized in front of a bunch of people. M maybe you say, hey, I want to get baptized. I believe what the Bible says. I want to get baptized for the remission of my sins, but I don't want to do it in front of a bunch of people. I don't want to do it in front of a church assembly. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm being taken underwater and a bunch of people are looking at me and they're, and they're watching me and I got to do this in front of 150 or 160 or 70 people. Maybe you got a fear of doing this publicly or maybe you fear that you're just not good enough. Maybe you say, I want to get baptized. I want to have my sins washed away, but I just done too much bad stuff. I've been too bad of a person, I've done too many bad things. I, I got to get my life cleaned up more and become good enough before I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Are any these fears preventing you from being baptized? If they are, let me say a few things about them. First, let's start with the water. For those who may be afraid of water. I want you to know that if you have a real fear of water, we will help you with that. We'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. The entire process will take less than a couple of minutes. I'll be there with you. I'll give you step-by-step -step directions. I won't let you drown. I won't let you sink. I won't let you go. I won't let you stay under the water. I'll take you down and bring you right back up. I'll be with you the entire time. You don't need to let a fear of water hinder you from giving your life to the Lord. And you also don't need to let criticism, fear of criticism from your family prevent you from giving your life to the Lord. I'm going to my Bible to Matthew chapter 10. Will you join me in Matthew the 10th chapter? Because in Matthew 10, Jesus is talking about discipleship, and that's really what the foundation of this lesson is about. It's about discipleship, following Jesus, being converted to Jesus. And Jesus says some things about discipleship in Matthew, the 10th chapter. And I'm looking at verse number 28 and Matthew, the 10th chapter and in verse number 28, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, but are able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. In verse number 37, in verse 37, the Lord goes on to say this, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. What's the Lord saying there? Well, there the Lord is saying that above fearing your family, and being rejected by your family and receiving criticism from your family, you need to fear God. You need to fear hell. You need to fear the consequences of rejecting the Lord and what the Lord says about baptism. You need to understand that your family can't save your soul. Your mama can't save your soul. 
Your daddy can't save your soul. Your, your friends, your neighbors, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. Nobody in your family can save your soul. Only Jesus can save your soul. Only Jesus can take away your sins. And so you need to fear the Lord more than, than you feel fear your family. And as far as being baptized in front of a bunch of people goes, let me just say this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. The Bible never says that you got to get baptized in front of a bunch of people for your baptism to count. The Bible never says that your baptism is no good if you don't do it in front of 200 people. If you don't do it in front of 150 people or 100 people or 50 people or even 10 people, the Bible never says that. In fact, the man we began reading about in Acts 8, he wasn't baptized in front of a bunch of people. He wasn't baptized in front of a church assembly on Sunday. He wasn't baptized in front of 50 people or even 10 people. It was just him in the middle of the desert and the preacher. And so you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. If you want to wait until all these people clear out of here today, come tell me that. Pull me aside. Tell me that. I'll wait here as long as we need to wait. We'll get all these folks out of here. We'll get it done. But you don't have to do it in front of a bunch of people. That's too overwhelming for you. We will accommodate it. Don't let fear of the public stop you from getting your sins washed away. And if there's someone here who says, I'm waiting to get baptized until I feel good enough to get God's forgiveness. Let me just say that you're never going to get baptized. You're never going to get baptized because you will never be good enough. You'll never be good enough for God's grace. You'll never be good enough for God's forgiveness. Go in your Bible with me, please, to Titus and Titus chapter two and Titus. The Apostle Paul says to the preacher Titus and Titus chapter two and verse 11 and Titus two and verse 11. Paul says this for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Notice how we're able to be saved. We're able to have our sins washed away, not because we are so good, but because God is so good. Because God's grace is so good. Because God has extended his grace to every single person through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, salvation, salvation is rooted in the grace of God. Salvation is only made possible because of the grace of God. Baptism is not for those who feel like they're good enough to receive God's grace and God's forgiveness. Instead, it's for people who understand they're not good enough. We're not good enough to save ourselves. Baptism is for humble people. It's for penitent people, people who are sinners, people who understand that I can't be saved without the Lord. You remember those people in Acts chapter 2? Many of you know where I'm going in Acts 2. You remember in Acts 2 where Peter is standing before thousands of people on the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. And he's telling all these Jews in Jerusalem that Jesus is the Messiah. You killed Jesus. You killed Jesus Christ. And the scripture says in Acts 2 and verse number 37 that after Peter preached that powerful sermon on Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 37, it says when they heard this, when they heard the gospel, they were pierced. 
pricked in the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? The implication is, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent, turn away from your sins. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I submit that baptism is for people like that. That's who it's for. It's for people who understand I can't save myself. I can't get to heaven on my own. I'm not good enough. I need the Lord. I need the Lord to save me through his son, Jesus Christ. And so whether it's water, your family, public, be doing it in public, not feeling like you're good enough. None of these fears should hinder you from obeying the gospel. None of them should prevent you from being baptized and giving your life to Jesus Christ. But maybe you say, well, fear is not preventing me from being baptized. Maybe the thing that's preventing you is a dead loved one. A dead loved one. Maybe you say that if I get baptized, I'm going to condemn my mama, my daddy. My brothers, a friend of mine, I will condemn somebody I love if I'm baptized because they were not baptized. You ever heard someone say that before? I've heard people say it a lot. My grandfather who raised me said that. He believed that. He, he was afraid to be baptized because his parents, they were not baptized. A lot of people believe this. So let me say a few things about this. First, let me say that this is a faulty line of thinking because the Bible teaches that everybody is accountable for their own actions. You're accountable for your own actions. Paul makes that point in Romans 14 and verse 12. In Romans 14 and verse 12, Paul says, so then each one of us, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul makes a similar point in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, where Paul says, for we must all as individuals appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things we have done in our bodies, whether those things be good or whether those things be bad. And do you remember that? You remember that 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 rich man? Remember that rich man in, in Luke chapter 16? Do you, do you remember him? Turn in your Bible to Luke, the 16th chapter. You know, since we are all going to be judged by God for our own actions and the Bible teaches that clearly in these verses, you know what that means? That means that the things you do, the choices you make, the decisions you make in your life, they cannot possibly affect those who have died. Your actions can't save your departed loved ones, and they can't condemn your departed loved ones. In fact, wherever your departed loved ones are right now, I promise you, I'm 100% certain they will want you to obey the Lord. They will want you to obey Jesus. And I know that because of Luke 16. Remember Luke 16, we read about this rich man, this rich man who was a selfish man. He had a lot of luxuries, a lot of blessings, but he wouldn't share with a poor man named Lazarus. And because of that, he died lost. He died lost. And he woke up in Hades and he was being tormented in Hades. But he saw Abraham, the faithful man of God, Abraham in paradise. And he saw Lazarus, that poor beggar. He also was saved. He was in paradise. And the rich man, he was afraid, but he was afraid for his family. He was afraid for his family back on the earth. And so in Luke 16, in verse number 27, he said to Abraham in verse 27, I beg you, Father, that you send him, that you send Lazarus, the poor beggar. He wants Lazarus to be resurrected. 
and send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they would not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they, talking about your family, have Moses and the prophets, that's a reference to the Bible, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the Bible, they're not going to be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And so appreciate what's going on here. Notice how while in the realm of the dead, while in the realm of Hades, while in the realm of the place where departed souls go, this rich man who died lost, he's concerned about his family. He's concerned about his brothers. He's concerned that they are currently living outside of the will of God and they are on a path to end up in the same place he was in, in Hades. Now imagine this. Imagine these five brothers, these five brothers of this man, they're alive today. Imagine they're alive today. And they hear the gospel. They hear about Jesus. They hear what the Bible says in Mark 16 and verse 16, where Jesus says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. They hear that verse. They hear Acts 2 and verse 38, where Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Imagine they hear those verses, but then they say, uh... We're not going to do that because we don't want to condemn our, our brother. We don't want to condemn our brother. Our brother didn't do what those verses say. So we are afraid that if we obey what those verses say, we're going to condemn him to hell. Do you think that would be foolish if we heard those guys say that if they were alive today? You think that would be foolish for them to say that today? If their brother could talk to them, he, he would say that's foolish. Abraham would say that's foolish. Abraham would want them to understand that the word of God is for the living. It's not for the dead. It's for the living, not the dead. And so, my friends, you got no control. Hear me carefully. You have no control of where your departed loved ones go, but you do have control on how you respond to the gospel. You do have control of what you're going to do with Mark 16, 16. You do have control of what you're going to do with Acts 2 and verse 38. And so you don't need to let a departed loved one who's with the Lord and their spiritual destiny from here on is between them and God. You don't need to let them prevent you from giving your life to the Lord and you're alive right here and right now today. But maybe you say this. Maybe you say, my problem is not fear. It's not a departed loved one. Maybe you say it's a lack of knowledge. Maybe you're the kind of person who says, I'm not going to get baptized until I am satisfied with my knowledge of the Bible. I don't know enough. I need to know more. I'm not going to get baptized until I understand Revelation. I'm not going to get baptized until I understand the hard parts of Daniel and Zechariah and Ezekiel. I'm not going to get baptized until I can win every Bible trivia game out there. Maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe you believe you got to have perfect knowledge and perfect understanding of the Bible before you give your life to Jesus. If that describes you, let me say a couple things about that. First, let me say that if having perfect knowledge and perfect understanding of the Bible is necessary before baptism, then you know what that means? None of us should be getting baptized. None of us are qualified to be baptized. No person should get baptized if that's the case, because no person, hear me carefully, no person is going to have perfect 
understanding of the Bible. No person is ever going to reach a point in their lives where they don't have to study and when they don't have to grow and learn and mature in the word of God. I don't care how long we are blessed to live on this earth. I don't care how long we've been studying the Bible and reading the Bible and teaching the Bible and preaching the Bible. I don't care how many times we can quote the Bible and how many verses we got memorized in our minds. There's always going to be room to grow. There's always going to be room to learn and learn and do some more learning of the word of God. It is arrogant for us to believe otherwise. It's arrogant. In fact, think about this. How many times in our Bible, we read Acts last year, right? How many times in the book of Acts do we find people becoming Christians, believing, repenting, being baptized after hearing just one sermon? How many times do we find that in Acts? In Acts chapter 2, after those people, those thousands of people heard Peter preach on Pentecost and they wanted to be baptized, how many sermons did they hear before they wanted to do that? How many sermons did Lydia have to hear before she was baptized in Acts 16? How many sermons did the jailer have to hear before he was baptized in Acts 16? How many sermons did Cornelius have to hear before he was baptized in Acts chapter 10? How many sermons did that man from Ethiopia have to hear in Acts 8 before he was baptized in the middle of the desert? One. One. One sermon about Jesus Christ. If you want to be baptized, all you have to know is this. You have to know you're a sinner. You have to know that you've sinned against God, and the consequence for your sins is spiritual death, and Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and he was raised from the dead, and you must repent, turn away from sin, confess Jesus as Lord, and have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism. That's all you got to know, and then from then on, guess what you do? You grow. You grow in your knowledge and your understanding of the scriptures. But maybe it's this. One more thing. Maybe you say my problem is not fear, it's not a departed loved one or a lack of knowledge. Maybe the thing preventing, preventing you is just commitment. Oh, it's commitment. Like the man who's afraid of marriage because he doesn't want to commit to the woman he's dating. Maybe you're putting off baptism because you don't want to commit to the Lord. You don't want to commit to being a disciple and doing God's work. And I certainly will agree. Hear me carefully. I certainly will agree that before anyone is baptized, they need to determine to be committed. They need to make that determination. They have to count the cost. They got to make sure they strive to be faithful and observe all the Lord has commanded. Jesus says that in Matthew 28 and verse number 20. It does a person no good just to get wet when, they, when they're getting baptized. That does a person no good. It does a person no good to get baptized, but then they continue living the same way they lived before they were baptized. They keep living a life of sin. They keep indulging in sinful habits and a sinful lifestyle and sinful desires, and they show no fruits of discipleship or repentance. I agree 100%, 1,000% that a person should not get baptized. If they're not going to be committed. And so maybe the better question to ask you right now is what's preventing you from being committed? What's preventing you from being committed to Jesus? Do you have some sin right now 
that you just don't want to give that up? Do you have some deal you think yeah, that you've made with the devil that you think is better than what the Lord offers you? Are, are you so arrogant to believe that you couldn't die today? Or that the Lord couldn't come back today? Do you erroneously believe that the Lord's going to make an exception for you? Because you say, I don't want to be committed right now. That's, that's giving you like a, some brownie points with God. Oh, they don't want to be committed. That's why they're not getting baptized. So I'm going to let them just slide on into heaven. Apart from having their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. Fear. A dead love for him. Lack of knowledge. Commitment. If any of these things are preventing you from being baptized, it's time for you to remove those barriers. It's time for you to remove the stumbling blocks. It's time for you to get rid of the excuses and understand that putting off committing yourself to Jesus is never, never the right thing to do. And so we go back to Acts 8 one more time. One more time. Remember that man, that, that man from Ethiopia, he asked the question, verse 36, what prevents me from being baptized? I want to know. You just preached Jesus to me, which obviously means Philip told him about baptism and the necessity for it. And so he says, what, what prevents me from getting baptized? And Philip said, verse 37, if you, believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Notice how when he learned that the prerequisite for baptism was having faith in Christ. This man, he, he obeyed. He obeyed the gospel. He obeyed Jesus. He didn't even want to wait until he got back to Ethiopia before he got that done. And if you're not a Christian and you want to receive forgiveness just as bad as this man wanted to, like him, you also don't need to wait. You don't need to put it off. You don't need to allow anything to prevent you from being baptized. And so if there's anyone here this morning who wants to follow in the footsteps of this man from Ethiopia, you have an opportunity right here and right now as we sing this song together. Let's stand, let's sing it.